So that is more like somebody who has a Rolls Royce or a Jaguar or a Ferrari, but you don't have money to buy fuel for that car. It's very embarrassing. Unfortunately, that's what happens in some businesses. You go to the location very solid. They spent a lot of money doing up the place, buying up the place, furnishing the place. It's looking really tight, but they don't have money to pay their suppliers. They're owing their suppliers. They don't have money to pay their employees. They're owing their employees. So what happens? The employees start to quit. The supplier stops supplying because you're not paying. And then you start to wonder, how can this business that looks so majestic be failing? It's failing because of working capital. They don't have working capital, right? And then the other thing is cash flow, right? Cash flow is money when you need it. So sometimes you may have made sales. Your records are showing that you've made sales of $10,000. But then you look in your bank account, you have less than $1,000. It's likely that your customers are still owing you. They haven't paid. So if you're a business that does if you do business on credit, it's possible to end up in such a, a, a situation. So cash flow means that you have money when you need it. Every big thing starts small. It's a natural law. Every big multinational corporation was once a small business. Welcome to the Small Starter Business Podcast, a unique podcast for practical tips and advice to help you start, grow, or turn around your business. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Small Starter Business Podcast. I am your host, as usual, John Paul Iwoha. Today's episode is about a very interesting topic, um, and it's about the common mistakes that can kill a business, right? So this is very important because there are a lot of people who go into business with very high expectations. They are passionate. They are hardworking, right? But then after one year, two years, three years, or even five years, the business crashes, right? The business fails. And um, what this means is that a lot of people who go into entrepreneurship and business come out very disappointed because they don't know what they did wrong. They did all the best they could. They put all their money, sweat, and time and tears into a business, and it didn't give them what they were expecting. Uh, all that happened was that the business crashed. And, you know, depending on who you ask, there are all these um, statistics here and there that, you know, up to about eight, eight out of 10 businesses are likely to fail within the first two or five years, right? That's a very high casualty rate. And it's true. A lot of businesses fail more than you would imagine. And that's because well, most of these failures happen in silence. No, Most people who who um, presided over a failed business don't really talk about it. You will not see it in the news. You may not see it on social media. It just happens quietly. So the people we see are actually those people who make it, the two out of ten. They're the ones you see being lauded and celebrated in the magazines and social media and all that. But then the failure rate is very high. We don't get to hear about it. But then it's now going into almost about 10 years since I've been, you know, working with entrepreneurs in different industries at different stages of their business. And I was having a conversation with a friend recently and he was saying, you know, if you had to pick out five things, five common mistakes that people make that can make their businesses fail or crash, what would they be? Now, um, most times there is no one thing that can make a business crash. There are a variety of things that can make a business crash. But if I had to pick five, out of all my years of experience working firsthand with entrepreneurs and even having my own direct experience, if I had to pick five of the most common mistakes that would make a business fail, 
then this is exactly the episode you should be listening to. That's exactly what I want to talk about in this episode of the podcast. So without much ado, let's go into the five common mistakes that can actually kill a business. Now, the very first one, which is high priority as far as I'm concerned, is the weakness or absence of differentiation or a competitive advantage in a business. Now, a lot of people go into business because they are excited by a business idea or because they're in love with that business idea, right? They do it out of passion and excitement, you know. But then when you look at it from a business standpoint, many of these businesses look exactly like other businesses, right? There's really nothing different. You know, they are selling something similar or even the same as many other businesses. And the thing is this, this is the rule I've I've discovered in business. If there's not much difference about you or your business, it means you can be easily replaced or forgotten. When there is nothing so different about you, what it means is that I can buy from another person. I can easily change you. I can easily substitute you. I can easily replace you. I can easily forget you because there's nothing really remarkable about what you're doing. You're doing something I can easily get down the road. You're doing something I can easily find somewhere else. There's really nothing that stops me from going somewhere else. So when you are in a business where your potential customers can say such things about your business, like, you know, there's no big deal here. I can get this somewhere else. I can do this somewhere else. Then you know you're at risk because you don't, there's not much of a differentiation about you. And then you don't really have any strong competitive advantage. If you don't have any advantage in terms of your competitiveness, then what it means is that anybody who has that, can easily overshadow you. And the businesses that are most at risk of this happening are people or entrepreneurs who are in the commodity business. So a commodity business is a business where what you sell is standardized. For example, you sell water or you sell rice or you sell diesel or petrol. All those things are standardized because somebody else makes them And then you're selling exactly what they've made. So the room for differentiation is not much because there's not really much you can do about the product itself. You didn't manufacture it, so you really can't change much about it. But that doesn't mean that commodity businesses or people who are in commodity businesses cannot compete. There are things you can do in order to create a strong competitive advantage for your business. And the interesting thing is, I already covered this in the previous episode. So rather than repeat myself, I will just refer you to that important episode that covers uh, competitive advantage, right? So that's episode 51. And the title is How to Create a Strong Competitive Advantage for Your Business. It's one of the the very popular episodes on this podcast. And the three key pillars I cover in that episode are the three interesting ways you can differentiate anything you sell. And you can differentiate yourself by what you sell. You can differentiate yourself by how you sell. Or you can differentiate yourself by who you sell to. So these are the three key important pillars for building a differentiation or competitive advantage in your business. Like I said, if you want to understand how these three key pillars can help you develop a strong competitive advantage in your business so that you don't just look like any other person. You're not just easily replaceable, right? Go check out episode 51 after you finish this episode of the podcast. Now, let's move on to the second Uh, common mistake that I think can kill a business. And this is um, a very interesting one. And it may surprise you to know that it is location. Location is one of the most common mistakes that people make 
that can easily kill a business. And let me tell you why. So if you're in that kind of business where your customers have to come to you, then location can make or break your business. I've seen it happen firsthand several times. You're selling something that people want. In fact, what you're selling is very unique. This is something that should be selling, you know, it should be, it should be selling like hot potatoes, right? But nobody's coming to you because of the location where you are. And this is very common in businesses that uh, are in a situation where your customers have to come to you. So if you're in a business where your customers have to come to you, location is very, very important. And these types of businesses could be in-person services. Like, for example, a hairdresser or, or a barber shop or a laundry business. Essentially, if you're in any business where your customers have to come to you for a service, location is very important. And why is location important? It's about that important thing that people care about a whole lot. And they're willing to pay for it. And it's called convenience. So com location influences how convenient you are a lot. It, it influences how convenient it is for people to buy from you. So when the location is unfavorable, then what it means is that buying from you is inconvenient to the people who ordinarily will want to buy from you or even find you. Another example would be physical product retail, right? So if you have a supermarket or you have some sort of store or shop where people have to come to you to buy, then that means location can make or break your business. In fact, one interesting example I found was a friend of mine who is also a client, right? He's in the pharmaceutical, he's in the beauty products retail business. He opened in the first location, spent a lot of money on that location, you know, doing up the place, the furnishing and the fittings and all that. The sales were terrible. In fact, some days nobody would even come. Very terrible. And he had premium products, high quality products that are in demand. The only explanation, you know, for such terrible performance was location. Guess what? He moved from that first location to another location, a second location. The problem with that was that it was in a shopping mall and the, the, the store he got was really inside, right? So it was inconvenient for people. So he repeated the same mistake a second time, even though the second location was in a better place than the first one. But the location of the specific shop was a problem because of where it was located in the shopping mall. Same problem. The sales were better, but they were, they, he, was, he wasn't turning a profit, bottom line. He wasn't turning a profit. And then he moved to a third location, directly facing a very large residential estate, very close to where you have a lot of food traffic, and boom, just like a miracle, sales took off and has never looked back. So the only thing that changed was the location. He didn't change his type of business. He didn't change his products. The only problem was location. So location can limit or expand your access to customers. If you're in a place where it is difficult for people to find you, it's going to affect your business. If you're in a place where it's going to be inconvenient for people to come to, it's going to affect your business. So the interesting thing is, if you look around the world, right, it's not surprising that most of the, the, some of the most successful businesses in the world today are all virtual businesses. They're all internet related. They are businesses that do not depend on location. Look at Facebook, for example, or Amazon, or Netflix. All these companies, Microsoft, Apple, all these companies have, some, have one thing in common. They are location independent. They are located in, in America, uh, or even have Alibaba in China, but they have a global reach. Why? Because customers don't need to come to them. Once you get on the internet through your phone or your laptop or your tablet or any other device, you can do business with Amazon. 
You can advertise on Facebook. You can subscribe on Netflix. They are not location dependent. And because they are location independent, they are able to make much more sales you know, than another company that is uh, confined to their specific location. So location has a big role to play um, when it comes to access to your customers and your ability to serve them. Now, if you're thinking seriously about location and other ways to find customers, I strongly recommend you listen to episode 45, right? Episode 45 talks about the power of channels, how to make it easy for your customers to find you episode 45. So after this podcast episode, after this episode, make it a point to listen to episode 45 so you can learn um, other opportunities that can enhance your accessibility to your target market. Now that's number two down. Let's now look at number three. Now what's number three on my list of common mistakes that can kill a business? It is low customer retention. Now let me explain. If most of your first time customers are not returning, then there's trouble in your business. So if, if you didn't understand that, let me explain it further. If somebody comes to your business for the first time and buys something, and you sell something that people will need on a recurring basis, so that's, I'm assuming you're not selling something that people will buy once and never buy again, right? If you buy something that people would need on a recurring basis, and you're in a situation where your customers come to you for the first time, they buy, and a big proportion of them don't come back to buy from you again, then there's trouble. Because what it means is that you have low retention. When people buy from you the first time, they don't come back. So that means there's something wrong. And the reason why this is very important is that new customers are more expensive than existing customers. If you're going to get a new customers, you may have to invest in um, advertising. You, know, you have to promote the business. It's, it's harder and more expensive to get a new customer compared to somebody who is already buying from you. You don't need to advertise to them anymore. You don't need to promote to them. It's automatic. They just buy from you. So new um, existing customers are more valuable than new customers, right? Because an existing customer will keep buying. A new customer may just buy once and may not come back. So if you're in a situation where you have a major chunk of your new customers not coming back to buy from you, then what it means is that you're going to have a very limited or small pool of um, loyal or existing customers. And the people who build the business, the customers who actually build the business, are the loyal customers. They're the ones who keep a business going. They're the ones who keep patronizing the business. They're the ones who refer the business to their friends, family. They're the ones who talk about the business. They're the ones who give you feedback and stuff like that. Your existing customers are the major pillar of support for any business, right? And that's because customer loyalty has strong marketing benefits. For example, I talked about people who would recommend your business, talk about your business, or refer new customers to your business. That is free marketing. And that's what, an, that's what a loyal customer does. A loyal customer who is happy with your business cannot help himself or herself. These people talk. They talk to their friends, their family, their colleagues, you know, all sorts. And that is free marketing. It's even great for your brand. So if you're having trouble with low customer retention, there is fire on the mountain. What it means is that it's only a matter of time before your business starts to creak and then crash. So you need to pay very close attention to it. And there are two interesting episodes I want to recommend. After you finish listening to this episode, go listen to episode 10 of this podcast, which I'm sure I recorded that episode quite a, a while ago. And it's about how to sell more to your new and existing customers. And in that episode, I share a couple of tips, advice, and strategies on how you can 
do more business with your new customers so that they end, you end up retaining them so that they become uh, more or less loyal customers. And then how you can engage your existing customers so that they don't leave you and move on to another business. Another episode I want you to listen to after you listen to episode 10 is episode 53, right? So in that episode, I talk, I talk about how to make word of mouth marketing work for your business. Word of mouth marketing is the slowest form of marketing, but it is one of the most powerful forms of marketing because it's a form of marketing that is built on trust. When people who trust each other, you know, um, talk about your business to somebody who trusts them, the weight is more compared to when you go and advertise on Facebook or you advertise in the newspapers or you advertise on TV. You know, there's no reason to trust that your advert on TV or your advert on social media because I don't know who you are. You're a stranger. I can't trust a stranger. But when my friend tells me about your business, a friend I like, I love, I trust, tells me about your business, you can be sure I'm more likely to become a customer compared to when you spend all those money on, on Facebook and hope to get somebody. So don't forget, um, I'm talking about the low customer retention as one of the common mistakes that can crash a business. And after this episode, I strongly recommend you, re you listen to episodes 10 and episode 53. Now, let's look at the fourth common mistake that people make that can crash a business, that can kill a business. Now, it's getting very interesting because a lot of you may be able to relate to this particular point. And it is low working capital or low cash flow. Low working capital, low cash flow. Either of them, this is one of the biggest financial, in fact, arguably the biggest financial problem that can crash a business. And that is this issue of working capital and cash flow. But first, let me explain to those of you who may not understand what working capital is, or you're confused about working capital, or how it is different from the other kind of capital that you might be used to. Let me help you explain it, right? So working capital is very different from fixed capital right fixed capital fixed capital is the money you used to buy things like equipment you know vehicles um you know printers computers all those that's fixed capital in fact the best way to explain to you is when you have fixed capital fixed capital buys the car fixed capital buys the car but working capital is the money you spend on buying fuel for the car so you get right the cost of the car is usually large it's usually higher than the cost of buying fuel for the car Every single time you buy fuel, maybe you're spending $20, $30, or even $10 buying fuel, right? If you want to buy a car, you might have to spend upwards of $5,000, $10,000, $20,000, $30,000. So fixed capital takes up a lot of your capital. But then the problem with fixed capital is that it is fixed, like the car. Once you buy the car, yes, you have the car. But then without fuel in the tank of that car, without petrol in the, in the, in the tank of that car, you cannot really benefit from the car. The car cannot move. It becomes a glorified monument. That's what the car becomes. So the problem that people have is when they want to start a business or as they're growing a business, they spend a lot of money buying the car. So rather than buy a car that is practical, maybe like a Prius, uh, a Honda, Toyota, something that can do the job, People, are, people, are, people tend to indulge. They want to buy a Ferrari. They want to buy a Rolls Royce. 
And when I say Rolls Royce, what it means is that, for example, they are good. They are they are getting big office space. They are getting a company car. They are spending more money than they should on some uh, next generation websites. They are building an app for the business, and the business has not even started. And they are spending all this money on fixed stuff. So that's what I mean by they are buying a Ferrari. That's what it means because. If you want to buy a car, you have a wide range of options to choose from. You have cars that are not as expensive, they are uh, fuel efficient, they can be reliable, or you can splurge and buy a Rolls Royce or a Ferrari. Unfortunately, a lot of people lock in their money in you know, all kinds of stuff, so they end up buying a Ferrari or a Rolls Royce. But they don't pay attention to the money that needs to be spent on buying fuel for that car, which is what working capital is. Working capital is the money you use to run the business, is what you use to buy stock, is what you use to well, buy stock, I mean inventory, the, the stuff you sell, is, is the money you use to pay salaries, is the money you use to pay rent and pay for utilities to keep the lights on and things like that, is the money you use to pay your suppliers for the things you've supplied to your business. Working capital is what you use to do marketing. Right? So if you're going to market your business, that's where working capital is going to come from. So the mistake people make is they spend a lot of money on office space, on equipment, on the car, on a lot of on the website, on fixed stuff. They spend a lot of money on the fixed stuff and they don't pay enough attention to the working capital, which is more or less the fuel that they need to run that expensive car. So most times what you have is a business that has a lot of interesting fixed capital. But then there's no money to pay employees. So the employees start to leave. Or there's no money to buy stock or replace stock. So customers come in, but they cannot see the things they want to buy. But then you have, but then the, the, you have this very beautiful office, very ornate, very well furnished and all that. So that's where the, the, that's where the disconnect is. Working capital can sink a business because that's what you need to actually run the business, right? So... That's it for working capital. The other concept is cash flow, right? So cash flow is about having the money you need. Cash flow is about having the working capital you need when you need to pay bills. So sometimes you may have working capital, but you don't have it right now. For example, some, um, some examples or some reasons why you may not have the money you need when, when you need it. So you need to pay suppliers or you need to pay salaries. It's the end of the month. You need to pay sal salaries, right? Your records show that you have working capital, but you don't have cash to pay. So some, some situations could be, for example, your customers are not paying on time. Maybe you, you do work on credit or you sell on credit and then your customers are not paying on time. What it means is that you have money, you have working capital, but it's hanging outside. Your customers are holding the money. But then right now you need to pay salaries, but you don't have that money, cash. You don't have the cash. So that's why they say cash is king in business. If you don't have the money when you need the money, then it's a cash flow problem, right? So if your customers are not paying on time, that can lead to cash flow problems. If, you're, if you have too much stock, so you have stock in your warehouse or in your store, that's money, that's, you're tying down money. That's what it means. You are tying down money. So you may need to pay salaries. You don't have the cash because the cash is in the form of stock and you have not sold the stock. So you can't get cash. That's a cash flow problem. Or maybe you have stock, but they're not selling as fast as they should. And when these kind of things happen, some of your stock starts to go bad. They start to expire. They start to become obsolete and stuff like that. That means you're losing money. So you have money, but it's tied down in your products. It's tied down in your warehouse. That can be a problem. Another reason why cash flow can be a problem that can crash a business is when you're spending more than you make. 
So if you spend more than you're making in the business, naturally you're going to have a deficit. And that deficit could get to a point where you can no longer pay the rent for the, for the office. You can no longer pay your suppliers, so they've stopped supplying you. You can no longer pay your employees, so they are quitting on you. They are resigning. They are leaving your business. And gradually, that's how a business crashes from these kinds of um, cash flow problems and working capital. So I'm hoping from this explanation, you now see what matters more. In the beginning of the business, you're very confident because you feel you have a lot of money. But the problem is you spend most of that money on fixed capital. You spend it on buying a Ferrari, when a Toyota, maybe when a Prius will do, when a much more economical car will be enough. You end up splurging on an expensive one because you want people to admire you. You want to start your business with a bank and stuff like that, right? So it's very important you understand the distinction between working capital and fixed capital and the importance of cash flow. Even if you have working capital, but you don't have cash when you need it, then your business will likely be in trouble. Now, I just talked about the fourth common mistake, which is low working capital and cash flow. Let's now talk about the fifth one. And believe you me, the fifth common mistake that can crash a business is the human beings, essentially your employees, especially when you have poor or uncommitted employees. Now, you need to be careful when you're hiring people because employees can either help to grow your business or they can help to kill your business. That's how important the human beings who work in your business are. They can either help to grow your business or they can help to crush that business. And that's because there are a number of ways they can deal with you. Bad employees can steal. They can steal your money. They can steal money in the business. They can steal your goods. They can steal your assets. They can steal your equipment, cars, you know, computers, printers, all those things. Bad employees can do that. Bad employees can frustrate your customers because of their bad or terrible customer service. They disregard your customers. They, they argue with them. They shout at them. And all those things are going to frustrate your customers and they eventually leave your business. So that's one common um, thing that bad employees can do. They can also sabotage your business in a number of different ways. So the last thing you, 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 you want in your business is to have enemies on the inside. And sometimes those enemies can be your, your employees. And you know, um, employee problems are one of the biggest headaches for growing businesses. Because when you really think about it, it is when your business is growing that you need people so when your business was small, you could handle everything by yourself. You were handling the accounts by yourself. You were handling sales by yourself. You were handling operations, procurement, and all that. But as your business starts to grow, you need to hire people to help you. And that's where the challenge comes in. Because on your own, when you were doing it on your own, you were doing a fantastic job. But then when you start to bring in people who are either not competent or who have a poor character, they can now start to undermine your business. And that's where a lot of the problems start to come from. So growth businesses suffer high casualty rates. And why it is unfortunate is that what kills the business is not that the product is not good or the service is not good or your customers don't like what you're selling. What actually kills the business are the people inside the business, the employees sometimes. So it's a very important point. If you're looking, if your business is currently growing, or you are expecting to grow very soon because you're thinking you want to hire people, you need to pay attention to the kinds of people you hire. And I have two previous episodes that are very good that I strongly recommend you listen to that will help to guide you and um, prepare your mind, you know, as you try to hire 
employees or even fire employees. So the first episode is episode 58. It's about hiring employees. And the title is how to find, hire, and keep good employees in your business. Very interesting episodes. Very interesting episode. It's one of the, the, the most popular ones so far, episode 58. How to find, hire, and keep good employees in your business. Another episode I want you to listen to is about firing employees. The problem sometimes is that one employee is the source of the problem, but you hesitate. You hesitate. You don't fire that employee on time. And what they do is that they spoil all the other employees. Because human beings are social animals. We tend to influence people around us. So if you don't get rid of bad apples, they will spoil the whole bunch. So you need to know when the right time is to fire an employee. And that's exactly what episode 29 is going to teach you. It talks about the right time to fire an employee from your business. Episode 29. So don't forget, anything about employees, um, episode 58 is about hiring employees. Episode 29 is about firing employees. So at this point in the episode, let's, let's recap, right? So I started this episode by telling you about... Um, the sorry state of, of businesses, a high proportion of businesses actually fail, right? And unfortunately, it leaves a lot of entrepreneurs disappointed because these are people who are putting a lot of work, passion, and excitement into a business only for them to fail at it, right? And sometimes these people don't know what they've done wrong. They don't know where the problems came from. They believe they've done everything right. So why would the business fail? So these are essentially... Issues I have to deal with as somebody who works with entrepreneurs, because sometimes I, I engage with um, entrepreneurs who are already in a crisis, their business is failing, their business is performing below expectation, and they're asking me, you know, what is going wrong and all that. And by the time we have a strategy session and then we, we talk and then we have a brainstorming, it's obvious that these problems are coming from the inside. And most times they fall within uh, one of the five problems I just talked to you about. So to recap, the very first problem is a weak uh, differentiation or even when you don't even have any differentiation at all or you don't have any competitive advantage. There is no difference between what you're selling, how you're selling it, who you're selling it to. There's no difference between you and other, other people who are selling. And the problem is when there is nothing different about you, it is easy to replace you and it's easy to forget you. Unfortunately, that is the truth. So if your differentiation is not there, then, then there's a problem. So I already recommended to you an episode you need to listen to um, about um, uh, differentiation and you need to pay very close attention to it. The second mistake I talked about is location. And I mentioned that if you are in a kind of business where your customers come to you, your customers come to you for, to do business either for you to render a service or sell them a product. If your customers have to come to you, then location matters a whole lot because location influences how convenient it is for somebody to do business with you. And if it is inconvenient to do business with you, people will easily look another way because nobody just wants to um, stress themselves unnecessarily, right? And then the third point I raised is low customer retention. If your business is in a situation where people buy from you the first time and then most of them don't return, and what you sell is something that people need to buy often, frequently, maybe every day, every month, every quarter or every year, but people buy from you the first time and then they are not coming back you have a problem with retention. And the reason why this is important is that the foundation of every successful business is based on loyal customers. Loyal customers have a major 
um, marketing premium. Loyal customers come with a lot of benefits. And if your business is not enjoying those benefits, you're going to keep struggling because you're always looking for new customers, always looking for new customers. And new customers, first-time customers are not loyal because there's no, there hasn't been any basis to build that loyalty. They're very fickle. You can easily lose them and stuff like that. So if you're always hunting for new customers, then what it means is that you're on a treadmill. That's exactly what it means. So the key to a successful business is your existing customers, your loyal customers, those ones who keep coming back to buy from you, those ones who can't help but talk about you to their friends, to their family, to their colleagues, to their neighbors, so that you know they become a referral system, they become a marketing system for your business. So low customer retention was the third point I talked about. The fourth point I talked about was low working capital or cash flow. I explained to you in very layman terms what how, how working capital is different from fixed capital. Fixed capital is the money you use to buy the car. Working capital is the money you use to buy fuel to fuel the car. So buying fuel for the car is something you do regularly. You might buy fuel every day, every other day, every week. But that's what working capital is. There are smaller amounts of money compared to fixed capital. But without them, the business will not run. So you might end up having a business, which is a car, but then you don't have money to pay rent, pay suppliers, pay employees. So that is more like somebody who has a Rolls Royce or a Jaguar or a Ferrari, but you don't have money to buy fuel for that car. It's very embarrassing. Unfortunately, that's what happens in some businesses. You go to the location very solid. They spent a lot of money doing up the place, buying up the place, furnishing the place. It's looking really tight, but they don't have money to pay their suppliers. They're owing their suppliers. They don't have money to pay their employees. They're owing their employees. So what happens? The employees start to quit. The supplier stops supplying because you're not paying. And then you start to wonder, how can this business that looks so majestic be failing? It's failing because of working capital. They don't have working capital, right? And then the other thing is cash flow, right? Cash flow is money when you need it. So sometimes you may have made sales. Your records are showing that you've made sales of $10,000. But then you look in your bank account, you have less than $1,000. It's likely that your customers are still owing you. They haven't paid. So if you're a business that does business, if you do business on credit, it's possible to end up in such a, a, a situation. So cash flow means that you have money when you need it. The fifth point I talked about is poor or uncommitted employees. Employees can help you grow your business or they can help you wreck it. That's how important the human element is in any business. So if you're going to let people come into your business, you need to make sure they have the right character and they are committed, you know, working for you because the easiest person to sabotage you is the enemy inside. People outside may not be able to hurt you, but the people inside your business, the enemies inside can bring you to your knees. So it's very important you know where and how to hire good people and make the move to fire people when it is time. So that's why I recommended those episodes before now. So at this point in the episode, let's talk about our, our partners, Queza. So Quasar is a platform that is doing interesting things for uh, businesses on the African continent. If you sell products, essentially, this is all about location. Remember what I talked about location. A lot of businesses are performing below their potential because of their location. Maybe you're in a country that doesn't have strong demand or you're in a country where the, the buying power, purchasing power is low. So you are restricted and restrained by the purchasing power of your location. So if you're in such a country or such a location, imagine what it would mean to have access to markets outside of your country, markets outside of your city, where people have higher purchasing power, where they have stronger demand for what you're selling. 
So, right, if I take honey, for example, honey is a, is a healthy and wellness product. But maybe people in your country may not appreciate it to pay good money for your honey. Maybe your honey is organic, is refined, is natural. But people, people don't really value it as much as they should. And even those who value it don't have the buying power. They don't have the purchasing power. They can't pay you enough for it. Imagine if you had access to a market like the, the UK or the US or France, where people are very particular about organic stuff, natural stuff, things that, are, that don't have artificial, uh, artificial sugars. Now, I'm using honey as an example because one of the members of our insiders got access to such an opportunity through Quesa. And that's exactly what Quesa is doing. Quesa, K-U-U-E-Z-A. Quesa is a platform that is making it possible for businesses that sell interesting products to access markets outside of their local countries. So we're now seeing people selling products in Ga from Ghana to Kenya. People are shipping products between Nigeria and South Africa. People are doing business in the US, in Canada, in the UK, in France, in the Middle East, in Turkey. That's exactly what Quesa is doing. So if you really think about it, Quesa is opening doors for African businesses that sell products, just like Alibaba opened the doors to Chinese SMEs, small and mid-sized businesses. You know, so these days Chinese businesses are doing business, uh, are, are supplying products across the globe. That's exactly what Quesa is doing. So if you sell products and you are interested in accessing other interesting markets, you, um, check out the the app on the App Store or the um, Google Play Store. It's called Quesa Seller. Don't forget, Quesa is K-U-U-E-Z-A, Quesa Seller. If you sell, the app is Quesa Seller. If you're looking to explore and find interesting products or services, go check out the app on either the Play Store or the App Store and search for Quesa User. Don't forget, Quesa is K-U-U-E-Z-A, Quesa User. So at this point in, the ep in, the, in this episode, there are four interesting things I need you to consider. The first is to join the Insiders program, right? So the Insiders is the exclusive community through which I work with entrepreneurs. It's a group coaching program. It's a platform for networking, for collaboration. You're going to see other entrepreneurs just like you. Some of them are advanced. They've been doing business for a long time. So they have their battle scars. They have their experiences, their challenges. You can learn a lot from their experiences. Some of them are relatively new. We're working in several different industries, but we have one goal in common. Our goal is to build successful businesses. And the reason is, when you're working with other people, the quality of advice you get, the quality of insights, you're able to challenge yourself. You can hold yourself accountable. You see people who inspire you, who motivate you. That is the benefit of entrepreneurship. And, and why, why, I, why I set up the insiders is that most entrepreneurs are just working in silos. They are just trying to figure things out on, on their own. Unfortunately, with that strategy, you are more likely to sink. Because you're trying to be an island, you're trying to be a you're trying to be a tree that makes a forest. But when we work together, we can lean on each other's experiences. We can learn from each other. We can collaborate. We can partner. We can brainstorm. We can network and all such things. So if you want to learn more about the Insiders program, check us out at smallstarter.com/insiders. Again, it is smallstarter.com/insiders. The second thing I want you to do is to tell your friends about this podcast, right? The information you're getting here is from hard experience and it is free information, right? So tell your friends about the Small Starter Business Podcast. 
let them go on Google and search it. It's usually the first thing that shows up. The Small Startup Business Podcast by John Paul Iwaha. And they have over, what, 70 episodes they can listen to and learn all sorts of amazing stuff from how to find good ideas to how to uh, start up strategy, um, sales, you know, sales problems, operations, hiring people, how to think, how to think through business problems, all sorts of things. So the, the, the potential impact of this podcast is that you can learn, get high quality business education for free. And you can apply that in your business and you can see the improvements in your business. And when your business is growing, guess what you're going to do? You're going to start hiring people. And that's where employment comes from. That's where jobs come from. The people who create jobs are entrepreneurs. And entrepreneurs create jobs because they need help. They need to have somebody for sales, somebody for operations, somebody to deal with suppliers. Jobs are created when entrepreneurs need help. And entrepreneurs usually need help when their business is growing. So the more entrepreneurs we can help, the more entrepreneurs small starter can help to grow, the more jobs we can create and the more opportunities we can create for people to earn an income, be independent, send their kids to school, be respectable members of the community, pay their taxes, and then we can improve our society. That's how we improve the society. You improve society from the bottom up. So I'm not a big fan of all this whole government should do this, government should do that. All this whole government, government, government. I've never really seen any place where government is the ultimate messiah. The people have to pull themselves up. And my, I'm putting my bets on the entrepreneurs because they are the people who have the highest level of motivation. They have the highest level of passion. They are doers. They are thinkers. They are problem solvers. And when they crack a problem and they need help, I'm hoping they can generate much more jobs. So don't hesitate to tell your friends about the sport. It doesn't cost them anything. All it costs them is to invest the time to listen, learn, and then apply what, they, what they've learned. And then if you've been listening to the Small Starter Business Podcast, I would ask you to leave us a five-star review. What a five-star review means is you're saying thank you, and I would appreciate that. If that's the only thing you know you get to do, just say thank you with a five-star review. And the other thing it does is that it helps us, it brings us, it brings us to the awareness of other people who might be interested in this kind of content. So some of the reviews you guys have been leaving have been attracting a lot of new listeners to the podcast. And I, I really appreciate that. So to leave us a five-star review, um, do that at smallstarter.com slash review. Again, it is smallstarter.com slash review. So if you've been a fan of this podcast, why leave it at that point? I want to welcome you into my private and exclusive community. Join the insiders. If you have any questions, you have plans for your business, you're struggling with any business problem, you can now do it directly with me because you're a member of the insiders community. And to learn more about the insiders, you can check us out at smallstarter.com slash insiders. Smallstarter.com slash insiders. So I would end this episode by saying, you know, many of the problems we face in business are self-inflicted. As you can, as you may have already learned from the five common mistakes I mentioned in this podcast episode, many of the problems are self-inflicted. There's, no there's no point blaming outsiders. Some people might blame the environment, they might blame the government, they might blame the economy, they might blame their enemies, both real enemies and perceived enemies, both physical enemies and spiritual enemies, 
all of all those things. Entrepreneurship is about taking responsibility. Entrepreneurship is about taking leadership, about being a leader. And there is no way you can take personal responsibility without looking inwards first. So what the goal of this episode is to force you to look internally before you start pointing fingers outside. Look internally and find out what is broken inside. And I'm hoping that from some of the things you've learned today, you can fix it and recover your business and then start to grow and become successful again. On to the very next episode, I wish you all the very best. Stay safe. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Small Startup Business Podcast. To take our free business courses or join one of our signature programs for special entrepreneurs like you, head over to smallstarter.com to join our private community. See you inside.